Welcome to the NCLA podcast. I am your host, Rachel Mann, and today we're joined by Eric Ripley. Eric is the Executive Director of CTE and Technology at Grand Forks Area Career and Technological Center in North Dakota, and he is one of our longest-standing NCLA board members. Welcome to the podcast, Eric. Hey, thanks a lot, Rachel. Happy to be here. Well, I appreciate you coming back again. We had you on here a couple of years ago and had a great conversation about leadership principles for folks who are entering their first year as a CTE director. And I know you've had a ton going on and some really innovative projects that you're working on that I'm excited to talk about. Can you tell us about a project that you've recently embarked upon? Yeah, uh, certainly. So through um, the availability of some capital coronavirus project funds, uh, each state received an allocation from the federal government because of the pandemic. That was really up to the states to kind of determine how they wanted to allocate those funds. And a lot of states had chosen the um, expansion of broadband and and right now, actually, uh, the federal level has approved some of the first state's applications. What our state in North Dakota legislature had decided to do was to invest some in broadband infrastructure, but they they actually allocated the bulk of those capital coronavirus project funds in the form of a matching grant to expand and build new CTE centers across the state. And really, that represented the first major investment in the infrastructure of building CT facilities um, really since 1970s. And so it was um, something that of high interest across the state. Uh, there was a competitive process to this through an application. Uh, again, it's a matching grant. So there needed to be um, local funds raised. So that project certainly has been, you know, priority number one for me for uh, really the last about 12 months. Well, that is huge. And it's really exciting for CTE to see that type of investment in career and technical education. Can you take us through the organization of the community committee that developed the grant application? Yeah. Uh, and that was, I think, probably the, the most exciting part of this is as we're talking about the opportunities, what it looks like. And so right now within our current uh, region and, and district, we do not have a standalone CT facility. We have our CT programs embedded in our uh, local high schools. And, and for the last 10 years, we've been um, providing a handful of virtual online courses to uh, high school students in area surrounding um, school districts. Um, you know, North Dakota is very rural by nature. So we have uh, a lot of school districts that perhaps because of their size, just it doesn't make sense for them to have um, a lot of the specialized CT programs that uh, the larger district would just simply because of uh, the availability of the numbers to support full-time staff members, support the labs, specialized equipment, et cetera. And so the idea of being able to expand CTE facilities, course offerings, have the right labs and the right equipment for the right programs certainly was of interest to myself and the education sector. What was really exciting for us in this project was there was such widespread interest from our community and in that community, um, spanned both the city, county, uh, entities like uh, the Chamber of Commerce, Economic Development Corporation, and then industry partners across multiple sectors because they're looking at CTE rightfully as a strategy towards uh, the workforce shortages and, and looking at the ability of developing a pipeline uh, within the region for in-demand regional occupations. And so uh, the development of our committee that worked on the application um, that we submitted to the state um, really does represent all of those stakeholders, both you know our, our public school district uh, here in Grand Forks, rural school districts and, and their representation, but then members from the city, uh, the mayor serves on our committee, the county, 
the uh, Economic Development Chamber of Commerce and, and just a variety of industry champions across the, the region that have invested their time and their energy and then also their, their financial resources um, and towards helping us uh, meet that match. And so, you know, to me, I, I've told many people our project will be successful because of that widespread interest and commitment from the variety of stakeholders, because it's not just a school district led initiative. This is a, a very much a regionally led um, idea. And um, that's and we get that many people talking about CT. I think that's a great thing. Just being able to see that many people from diverse areas showing an interest in this project, you know, it really is making it for this to be a community centered program. And you mentioned that there's new programs that are being added. What was the process for selecting the CT programs that are going to be included within the proposed CT center? Yeah, that's a great question. We had, we had taken a look at that grant application and, and really looked at uh, created subcommittees off of our main steering committee that I just referenced to look at the various aspects of the grant. And part of that was, you know, the financial aspect of it, the location, governance model, uh, we had a, a committee focused on the marketing and education. So we had a committee focused on fundraising, uh, that that local match. Um, and then I I chaired the committee that looked at programming. And uh, that committee, again, made up of a variety of stakeholders, both education, non-education, industry partners, uh, post-secondary partners, et cetera. And we really defined um, three key metrics to identify programs that we felt should be included um, in our in our facility, which we're calling the Career Impact Academy. And those three buckets were um, student interest. Uh, so we know that these are elective course offerings. Students are choosing um, to take the CT courses that they feel align with their interest, abilities, and, and uh, future pathways. We also know that students are going to have to travel. Uh, this is, again, a little bit uh, unique for us because right now those programs are embedded in the local high schools. This would be a standalone facility that's all CT related. Um, and so there's some logistics involved with getting students um, from their home high school to this facility and and back, um, whether you're traveling from, you know, the in-town schools or or from the rural communities. And so students' interest not only in participating in the courses, but willingness to travel um, was a big feature. The second one was post-secondary alignment. We have multiple post-secondary partners that have been part of our planning team. Um, both at the two-year technical level and four-year university level to try to find those alignments between our you know high school nine through 12 programs and then whatever that student's next step would be at the post-secondary level whether that's at a technical level um, or bachelor's degree um, etc so having alignment with our uh, available post-secondary programs and then the third bucket that we really wanted to focus on was uh, in-demand regional occupations again trying to create that um, strategy about developing a pipeline uh, of talent towards filling our regional occupations. Workforce is, a, is an issue nationwide. It's always uh, the same issue uh, we have here in Grand Forks. And, and so our industry partners were very interested in, you know, exposing students early uh, to these uh, in-demand career occupations, uh, let them explore while in high school and start developing um, the pathway towards um, that occupational area. And so if we uh, had a program that checked all of those boxes, did a lot of research, uh, did a lot of surveys, did some market analysis, and um, you know that's how we just selected the the programs that we have, and and so we we're we're very excited about that. Some of these are new programs for our region. So examples of the programs that we're offering uh, in the Career Impact Academy uh, include your typical programs that uh, you may um, you know be traditional to a CT center, things like health sciences, automotives, welding, culinary arts, building trades, et cetera. 
but we also have some programs that have been identified because again, they are kind of unique to our region and uh, industry sectors of our region. So new programs that will be offered during the Career Impact Academy include precision agriculture, which is big for our region, and then aerospace unmanned autonomous systems. Those are a couple examples of some emerging programs and uh, sectors that we have here within our region that are going to provide great opportunities for our students. Now, with these being new programs, and first of all, those are fantastic programs. I love that you really put thought into making sure that it's what students want, what there's a need for from regional demand, and then also that post-secondary alignment piece. I'm sure that part of that conversation too has to be who is going to teach these classes. Is this something that you've already started selecting or planning for how to find instructors for these courses or what's your approach to finding those instructors? Yeah, it's a great question, just simply because we know that there's a there's a, a challenge, a teacher shortage uh, across the board in all these areas. And these are some specialized areas. In some cases, these are instructors that we currently have on staff for existing programs. We would just essentially move those instructors and classrooms from their existing um, high schools over into uh, the Career Impact Academy. Uh, for our new programs that we're proposing and offering, uh, we may need to look at our post-secondary partners as a partnership perhaps to have their staff come over and, and help deliver those programs uh, and, and certainly industry partners and looking at an alternative option to bring in uh, an industry expert to be uh, the deliverer of the course uh, content. I think it'll be a combination of uh, factors to be able to do that, but I'm confident especially looking at our post-secondary partners as these align well with that and looking at their staffing as an option for us. Well, these are such exciting programs, and I'm sure that the entire community is thrilled to be able to move from having these embedded into high school classes and being able to really have industry equipment and a new facility and then also more time to be able to really delve into those areas. Successfully fundraised over $10 million in just 70 days. That is amazing. Can you share with us what strategies were utilized to be able to gather this level of industry support? Yeah, and I think that's um, that's certainly something that, that grabbed a lot of headlines. Um, again, as I referenced earlier, this is a, a matching grant and, and the match um, max was $10 million. Um, and so you know, there was a number that we were kind of identified uh, early on and yeah, through the support of our, again, all the stakeholders that I referenced earlier on our steering committee, mostly led by our Economic Development Corporation. We certainly uh, hit the ground running with with fundraising, a lot of meetings, a lot of um, across the table sessions with, with industry partners sharing our vision of what we feel the Career Impact Academy could do for not only our students, but our entire region and how that would benefit uh, the business industry that we were visiting with. Again, I, I think there was just such broad support across the board uh, for this concept and this, and really identifying the need for this type of facility for our region. Not that it's easy to raise $10 million, but we were able to, to get it done in, in um, you know, 70 days. That represented commitments uh, from over in 80 industry partners. Uh, we had individual private donors uh, that read about the uh, concept within the, the local newspaper that actually contacted us and said they want to be a part of this. And the range of those commitments, you know, great, greatly varied, right? We had uh, large industries that um, wrote million dollar checks uh, and we had um, smaller companies that, you know, provided $10,000. And uh, to me, they're all equally valued and equally as important, but uh, the, the widespread approach of, of um, providing Again, the, the concept of what we're trying to accomplish with exposing students at an earlier age to CTE courses, um, not only serving Grand Forks, but the area um, schools as well, 
and then showing the alignment with their next steps after high school, post-secondary alignment and into the workforce, um, I think was a winning strategy for us. A lot of champions were um, having conversations, a lot of volunteer hours were put into this, but um, we're very, very proud of that type of level of uh, commitment from our community. Um, it, it's pretty significant. Well, just out of curiosity, did you have a, you said that the max was a million, was there a minimum that someone would have to donate? I think our minimum uh, in our first round of fundraising uh, was 10,000. I, I believe that that was the, the minimum um, number. And that was kind of a, a, a number that was probably based off of the size of the organization. Thinking about fundraising efforts that I've had, I can't even imagine raising $10 million. That, wow, that's a, a kudos to you and to your community because that, that's not an easy by any means. Yeah, it was, it was uh, pretty impressive. I think initially when we looked at the application and looked at you know what it would take to, to meet that match um, because th the application allowed for the ability for you know in-kind or donated land or donated facilities and in some of our applications approved across the state that's what they utilized they maybe had had a facility that they had purchased you know for very cheap and and we're going to use the full value of that building as part of their um, match to you know they're going to remodel it for example to be a ct center and so you know we didn't have that here in, in grand forks we we started with really nothing because we didn't have a facility we didn't have land um, the city actually purchased a former hotel um, site uh, it was a kind of an abandoned hotel they had invested and they're going to do uh, demolish the the building and then they're donating the land to the project and that was the idea of the mayor uh, of our city to to do that and uh, we identified that as a as a, a key location for uh, this facility for a variety of reasons, access for students, access to industry, uh, visibility um, to our community and, and really highlighting CT. And so, you know, there there just was, um, again, just huge support. To be able to have that that level of support, I mean, that's a, that's incredible buy-in. So I'm sure that the entire community is seeing that this is going to have a huge benefit for the community. What What is the proposed CT center benefit to the entire region? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is access um, to CT courses for students. Um, and, and we do envision that this facility is, is actually going to be a benefit of the community beyond the regular school day. So um, during the you know, typical school day, you know, the eight to three, um, it's going to our target audience is our high school students, um, both within Grand Forks and our surrounding communities. Again, because of their rural nature and number of students, uh, it's it's not feasible for them to have these standalone specialized labs. It just fiscally does not make sense, um, you know, but if you are the student that's interested in um, health sciences, automotives, welding, um, having a facility that can provide those opportunities for students, that's a huge thing, uh, certainly in providing access um, to high quality CTs uh, courses for that. Outside of the school day, we feel this facility also provides the opportunity for adult education, continuing education, upskilling for industry partners, um, the ability to utilize that um, to, to benefit the, the workforce, both existing and then on the, on the front end, trying to develop a new pipeline of talent into the workforce. So we feel that, it, that that's the benefit uh, of a facility like this that doesn't currently exist because we just don't have it. And so I think that also is a, a big reason why there was such strong industry support for our concept. Well, Eric, my favorite question is the last question that I have for you. How did your involvement with NCLA benefit you in this proposed project? I mentioned during the intro that you're our longest standing board member. What has been the benefit of NCLA as you've gone through this process? 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I tell you, it was uh, extremely valuable, uh, both in the application process and I and I believe in actually making this now from a concept to reality. Uh, and that is, while this the concept of a CT center for our region is new, it's obviously not new to other communities across the, the nation. And so rather than reinventing the wheel, reaching out to colleagues that I have met through my NCLA involvement and actually taking a team uh, of our steering committee, we actually toured two different CT centers. We went to the Great Oaks Center in, in Cincinnati, Ohio. We went down to Moore Norman in Oklahoma. Both of those uh, connections was via NCLA. It was individuals that I had met and worked with and, and uh, CT directors that opened their arms and said, absolutely, come and see what, what works for us. Uh, bring back the ideas and that you can incorporate into the development of your CT center. Those conversations have continued. Again, whether it's at at the best practices conference or vision, um, catching up with colleagues that I've met through NCLA and really just essentially picking their brain on what works uh, in their center that we would want to consider and be uh, mindful of as we're trying to develop something very new for us. So, you know, to me, the involvement for NCLA has been the access to colleagues across the nation that are experts in their field that can give us their best practices and and their uh, insight and expertise that will help our project be successful and that was a huge part of it it really was and it's a it's a ct family that i think supports each other because uh, ultimately at the end of the day we're trying to provide great opportunities for students and and everybody can rally around that concept. That's so true. And it's that it really is one of the beauties of this organization is that people are so willing to help and to share and to show what they're doing. It's I cannot imagine any anyone within this organization saying no or trying to hoard information or keep their best practices to themselves. Everyone is just very giving and always trying to make each other's work better. Yeah, that's so true. And, it, and it's very genuine. We're not in competition with each other. Uh, it's all about trying to strengthen everybody's programs. Uh, you're exactly right, Rachel, the willingness to share, the willingness to, to host, in, in this case, you know, again, some visitation teams. Uh, and that was, that was the, the launching pad, honestly, for our application because it allowed us to visualize what it could be for us in our region and, and seeing high quality CT centers in other areas uh, across the nation and then helping us to visualize what it could be for, for our region. That was important. That was a very, very important step in getting our application developed and created. Speaking of willingness to share, I am so appreciative of you coming onto the podcast. And I know that your schedule is crazy right now with all of this work that you're doing and putting this new Career Impact Academy together. So Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your best practices with our members. Oh, I appreciate the opportunity. Anytime we can talk about CT, that's a good thing. Absolutely. And for our members, thank you for tuning in. It's because of your support that we're able to share great content like this. And if you're interested in sharing your best practices, or if you have topics that you would like for us to address, or someone that you would recommend for the podcast, please email me at info at ncla-cte.org. Thanks again.